The following is a Thunderbolt West Media Production. This show is all over the map. Everything from World War III to wood-burning stoves. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving. So I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show comes to you from the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show is aired on KYAH, AM 540 in Delta, Utah, Utah's Talk Authority. Also, the show can be heard on 89.3 FM, Key Radio in Osage Beach, Missouri. And on shortwave, tune in to frequency 7.490 WBCQ, Monticello, Maine. This show is also available on demand as a podcast on Anchor, Spreaker, PodPoint, and PodPage. And be sure to visit the website at offgridliving.faith. And I really do appreciate you joining me today. Welcome aboard, everybody. I really appreciate you tuning in today. I've been getting lots of letters and cards, and, and I've mentioned that the last several shows. And I have not had the chance to respond as far as writing a physical letter back. And that's two reasons. Number one, I'm awful busy to try to do that because I'm so far behind and number two, I'm a horrible letter writer. And so I will get to you as fast as I can, I promise. But I want to address some of the letters that I got on the air. That way the listeners know I'm getting their letters and their cards. And I really appreciate it. But there's one thing that I can say about the cards and letters that several of the listeners have stated point blank what's going on. And I would say the vast majority of the others are hinting or they have a soft undertone of what they're going through and experiencing through this mad new world that has been thrust upon us. And let's not make any mistake about it. Things have been thrust in our face. We didn't ask for this. Mankind didn't ask for this. We have such evil on this planet right now. It's just 
it's just unbearable at times. But what some of these letters have in common is the fact that how isolated the people feel. And I'm starting to notice that myself, is that the people who are really wide awake, that get it, that understand the magnitude of what's happening worldwide, is extremely small. And I think the Bible calls them the remnant. And I truly believe that God is gathering his remnant right now. And it really pains me to get letters and cards. And I've had several that have told me that they are alienated from their families or their friends, or they've been fired from their job, or their co-workers no longer speak to them. All because of this fraud, this lie that is COVID-19, that was concocted in a lab that I truly believe was created so they could give you a vaccine that would alter your DNA. I truly believe that. And I truly believe it's a mass extermination event. And unfortunately, those who see it and understand exactly what's going on historically are being absolutely cast out of society. And I think that's really sad. And I want to tell everyone who's written me that you're not alone in your feelings. I, too, have lost family members, and I would say the majority of people that I considered friends because of my stance on the whole mess of the world. There are people that buy into this medical tyranny hook, line, and sinker, and they request that you show proof of vaccination or what have you. And that really ruined my musical career. Every year I would do a three-month tour. And after 2020, the hoops that you had to go through to be able to play the tour dates was incredible. They were intrusive. They were invasive. They were not fair. They were not rooted in truth. It was just whatever the corporation that wanted you to come in and provide the entertainment whatever they wanted to put as policy. And I, for one, am not going to have a swab stuck up my nose. And you're definitely not going to give me the death jab. And so all of these places required both testing and make sure you're jabbed and proof of it. And so I lost a whole career. And then I lost a lot of friends within the industry because they looked down on me. So, well, why don't you just take the shot and just do the jobs? What's wrong with you? And I have family members that are totally on board with the COVID mess. And they think I'm a conspiracy nut and so forth and so on. So I'm going to say that I really relate with everyone who sent me a card and letter. I'm going to mention just a couple of people here. I don't have time to mention everybody. But uh, Scott and Terry, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your comments and I appreciate the card. And you've been really faithful listeners, and I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It really touches me. And also, I want to say a shout-out to Darren and Linda in Missouri. They sent me several cards and a really long, detailed letter. I could have written most of the things in that letter as far as how I feel and what I've gone through. And I want to tell you, you're not alone, and I really appreciate not only your listenership, but also your friendship. I can tell you're very wonderful people, and thank you so much. And I, too, heat with wood, and right now I'm cooking some chicken on my wood-burning stove. So we're kindred spirits, and I want you to know that I appreciate you very much. And your kind words mean more to me than you could possibly imagine. 
And I'll mention other names in other shows because I really do want to tell everyone how much I appreciate it. And Art, thank you for the beautiful letter you sent. You too are very much awake and you know what's going on. And to answer your question, yes, I'd like to hear more. So go ahead and get in touch with me. If I can't get a letter to you in a timely manner, know that I have listened and I do agree with you. And I think that you do have some things you can offer. And so please get back in touch with me, Art. I appreciate it. Just a quick little update. You don't want to catch this shedding. Every time that I think I'm better, it seems like I relapse. And I spent three solid days working, and most people would probably think my workday was pretty light, but I was going as hard as I could. But I didn't want to relapse, but I am so far behind. And, you know, I'm still putting up hay. And you should see the looks I get. People driving by seeing me bailing hay. They're like, what in the world? You know, everyone's put their machinery away a month ago. But I can say that putting up hay in November is interesting, to say the least. First of all, the hay has been froze, and so it no longer has a fragrant smell to it. So it's going to be nothing more than filler anyway. But I can honestly say I can enjoy not being sunburned, and I can enjoy not having horseflies and mosquitoes bite me. So there is an upside as far as going out and putting up hay in cooler weather. But I'm sure the animals aren't going to appreciate the hay as much as they would have if I could have cut it when it was supposed to be cut. But I was flat on my back for several weeks. And also in some of the letters have mentioned how bad this shedding has affected them. If you don't understand that this is a bioweapon, if you don't understand that, if you just think I'm a conspiracy theorist, well, go ahead and think that. Matter of fact, that's one thing that Art said was that maybe it's time to let go of some of these people that they need to fend for themselves. You try so hard to wake people up, and they just don't seem to respond. And I think there's lots of wisdom in that. And I really do think it's time for all of us people to actually get it. I think it's time we start communicating and letting each other know that we're out here. Because most of the people, I can tell by their letters, they feel like they're on an island. And they're marooned and they're stranded. And to you, people that feel that way, know that there's millions of people that feel the way you do. You just haven't connected with them yet. But what breaks my heart more than anything else is all of the families that are disintegrating and they're putting the medical tyranny above their families. And hopefully the word will get out and it'll become common knowledge that all of these vaccines were a crime against humanity. And maybe that will heal some of the rifts that have happened in some of the families and friendships. I can only hope. But anyway, in my third day of work was hay baling. And those of you who listen to the show already know that I do everything the old school way. And my hay baling tractor is a 1955 John Deere Model 70. And I'm baling with a 1958 New Holland little square baler. My mower and my mower tractor are out of the 1940s, and the rake that I used was out of the 1920s. And so I definitely am old school compared to everybody else. But we've had such a drought that even walking across the field kicks up puffs of dust. And of course, baling hay is a messy job anyway, as far as dirty and dusty. And right when I was finally got my lungs about halfway to where I could breathe, 
I had hay down and I just had to get it bailed. And so I went and bailed it. And I'm kind of paying for that today. And my lungs are not very good today. And I think it's the dust on top of, you know, I'm kind of fragile. But to those who are worried about me getting my fall work done, uh, I'm getting it done. It's just really small. And I have to prioritize. And I'm using my head. I'll probably be ready for winter 100% somewhere about April. <laughs> the way I'm going. But I'll make it. I'll be fine. But thank you for your concerns. Well, I have quite a few things to talk about today, and I had an off-grid subject I wanted to focus on, but I really think I have to address the majority of the letters. I got to get back to that again. Almost everyone that wrote me mentioned the possibility of World War III and the food shortages and the and the economy collapsing, all the other ills that are happening. And honestly, I think that all the people that are awake and they see this for what it is, I think you're dead on. I think you're all correct. I think all of the above is going to happen. I don't know in what order or when, but I think that we are headed for the biggest series of catastrophes, one after another, that mankind has ever faced on a worldwide level. And it seems like there are people that are pinning their hopes on midterm elections. And I've already been hearing reports of election fraud and people trying to steal this election. And if you want to look south into Brazil, what happened to Donald Trump happened to the Brazilian president. He was a populist and he was, and he was way ahead and he had huge crowds at his events and rallies. But yet the election results show him losing. And as I record this program, there are demonstrations in the streets and people are demanding that the military come in and they do an audit of the elections because it really stinks of fraud. And guess what? Brazil used those electronic voting machines. What we have going here is a bunch of technocrats and a bunch of technical tyranny and a bunch of people that are unelected that are trying their best to control the world. And we definitely have people that are making a play on world dominion. People like to look at Hitler and Napoleon and people like that and say, well, they wanted to rule the world. We had to stop them. And I'm going to say these cockroaches that are doing the same thing that Napoleon tried to do and what Hitler tried to do, but they're doing it through voting machines and they're doing it through technology. These people are just as evil and they need to be stopped as well. Mankind did not ask for all of this crap. We didn't ask for our gasoline engines to be considered obsolete and to be phased out. We didn't ask for electric cars. We didn't ask for any of this stuff. And now I hear that the young people who are dying because they're getting the COVID death jab, that the scientists, quote-unquote, if you want to call them that, are coming out and saying that these young people are getting heart, are starting to have heart attacks and strokes because of climate change. Yeah, you heard me right. So we have a whole lot of lies and disinformation. And unfortunately, our friends and families are falling hook, line, and sinker for the narrative that the government and all these tyrants are putting out. And that's extremely sad to me. But we will persevere. We just have to push on and keep a positive attitude. Because someday history will bear that we are on the right side of history. In that statement, I am very bold, and I very much mean what I say. That yes, we are on the right side of history, these other people are on the wrong side of history, and hopefully, 
they'll wake up and see that and be able to admit to themselves that they've been deceived. We can only hope and pray. Broadcasting from the United States of America, you are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Well, as I start this segment, I want to tell you a few things that you should not do. These are just my opinion, but I think you need to listen to me. If you're buying survival food of any type, especially meat products, do not buy anything from Australia. Now, nothing against the Aussies. I've got good friends that live in Australia, and they're wonderful people. But their government's not so wonderful. And they're forcing the farmers to inject their cattle with a drug that's very similar to this COVID-19 death jab. And it's killing the cattle. But it's making the cattle that live produce the spike proteins. And if you eat the meat that is from an Australian cow that has had this, that's had this injection, you're likely going to put this spike protein in your body. And I don't know what it's going to do. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But I do know enough not to put bad things in my system. And specifically, most of the corned beef that's canned or canned beef that you see in the grocery stores, is a product of Australia. And me being a rancher and understanding the livestock business, and also I'm not very territorial, I do believe that we're all kindred spirits, everyone in the livestock business. I don't care if you live in Africa or North America, Australia, wherever. I've talked to ranchers from all over the world, and we're all kindred spirits. And so I don't have any animosity towards any producer in any country of the world. I really don't. But I do have animosity towards governments that are forcing ranchers and farmers to corrupt their crops and and corrupt their animals. And you have to watch out. And really the same thing goes for the GMO. Can you really trust GMO right now? I avoid it as much as possible, but it's almost really impossible to avoid. And then with the prices of everything going up as far as they are, if you have certified non-GMO, certified organic, you're going to be paying more money than you would for the same type of a product that's GMO or raised with chemicals. And there are simply people that cannot afford to go buy organic anymore. But I think you really have to watch the GMO and Eat as little of it as you possibly can. Grow as much of your own food or forage for food or buy it at farmer's markets from people that you know are planting open-pollinated heirloom seeds. We really have to watch ourselves because we have government agencies that supposedly are there to watch our back. And what are they doing? They're the ones that are telling Facebook and also Twitter and all the others to censor we the people. So it's going to come out before too long that all of this censorship that Big Tech was doing, Big Tech was ordered to do that by the Department of Homeland Security and other governmental agencies in the United States. 
I don't know what that means about all of the censorship of people that don't live in the United States. And I'm not saying that I don't put some blame on the big tech companies, because I certainly do. But the same CDC and the same WHO and all of these other alphabet organizations, they're supposedly there to protect us from bad medicine, bad policies. But they're the ones that are pushing bad medicine and bad policies. And so you can't trust the governments of any, any government anywhere in the world. That's my opinion. And I'm not going to trust their elections either. And I'm not going to trust anything in the medical community. Kind of touching base back with the letters that I got. Almost everyone who's written me have now decided to fend for themselves and take care of themselves, take care of their own health, and they're not going to go back to the doctor. And boy, does that ever hit home. I got a letter today from my doctor, who I haven't seen since 2020, saying that I was due for a physical and, and some other procedures that you do for people who are my age, and that I was to make an appointment immediately and get these caught up because I'm behind. Well, I don't know whether I'm going to ignore that letter or I'm going to go into the office and tell them point blank that as long as they are accidentally giving people COVID shots, and as long as up in Canada, when people go in for surgery, while they're put under anesthesia, that they go ahead and give them the COVID shot while they're under and can't say no, while the medical profession is denying any culpability in the deaths of all of these young people that are just falling over dead, especially the people in sports, as long as that element is out there, and as long as the medical profession as a whole does not denounce what's going on, I can't trust them. And one of the procedures they want me to do, they have to put me under for about oh, a half hour to do the procedure. No way. And I really do personally like my doctor. He seems to be a really nice guy. He seems to be caring, and he seems like he's got all the qualifications of an old-school doctor. But yet he has not come out, nor has his office come out and denounced what's going on. And so by his silence, I can't trust him. And so I really do understand all of the people that are starting to get up there in years. I'm not going to say old, but older, that are wise enough. And I do think it's definitely wisdom that you're not trusting the doctors. But it really puts us in a tough spot because lots of us need to have some medical attention. But we want medical attention. We don't want tyranny. We don't want quackery. We don't want to have social engineering or the woke people or we don't want that if we want to have a one of our illnesses or ailment taken care of well that's what we want we don't want to be monkeyed with but yet right now everything's on its ear and so to all of the people out there that have decided like me that they're not going back to the medical profession become an expert in herbs and what their properties are and certain foods and know what to eat and when to eat it and how much. Treat your food as medicine and try to eliminate all of the junk food and all of the pre-processed. And I know that that's hard to do because lots of people live busy lives or they live alone. They don't feel like cooking. I understand. 
but we also have to do our part to not need to go to a doctor. If you're not going to go, then you're going to have to keep yourself in great shape to where you don't need to go. And the second thing that you need to do, in my opinion, is you need to find a really good, holistic medical practitioner, someone that is licensed and is trained, and but someone who gets what's going on, and someone that knows exactly why you're there, and someone that can give you some solid answers. In other words, I'm trying to say we all need to switch doctors and get away from the pill pushers and the ones that are owned by Big Pharma and the ones that are bowing to the government. We need to find holistic medical doctors who are rugged individualists that are truly there for our health. Now, is that going to be easy to find? No, it's not. So you're going to have to do some research and some homework on your part. But I do understand your feelings of not wanting to go back to a doctor very, very much. But I can't stress enough going back to the Australian beef. Do not. If you don't know where that beef came from, do not buy it. And also research what's happening in Argentina and other places where we import beef from. And also, if you like to go out and eat fast food hamburgers, honestly, you need to stop doing that. Now, I used to live on fast food hamburgers because I was on the road all the time. But I can't even remember the last time I had a fast food hamburger. I think it was back in early 2020. I think it was probably February or March of 2020, if I was to make an educated guess, was the last time I had a restaurant-made hamburger. But if you're a meat eater, and you're going out to any restaurant, whether it be a chain restaurant or a mom-and-pop's restaurant, you have no idea where they're getting their beef from. And so that's another thing I think we need to really look at. We have some of the most evil people, I think, that's ever been on this planet right now that are doing their best to make sure that we all get this spike protein in our body as well as some of these other substances, they're finding stuff all the time from things that supposedly make you magnetic and make your veins glow. And I'm really not sure how much of that is absolutely the truth, but I tend to believe most of them, most of the people that are posting these bizarre effects that they have after getting a death jab. And also, you have no idea about the cook or the person preparing your food whether they were recently vaxxed or not. But I just don't eat out. And when I do travel to do my events that I still have, I take food with me. I just don't trust anything right now that's happening. And when you're looking at the big box stores that have grocery departments, and there are a couple of them, one really big one, you really need to watch out buying meat from those places. Because who knows where their meat is sourced. And I know that one of the big box stores that starts with a W, and you can figure that out for yourself, they had beef contracted through a feedlot that's about 20 miles away from my house. And they had right around $10 million worth of cows in that feedlot that they were feeding for their groceries chain. And the owner of the feedlot is a very rugged individualist type of a guy, and he doesn't take anything from anybody. 
and he was contacted by this large box store and told him he had 10 days to prove that all of his employees were vaccinated or they were going to terminate their contract. Now, think about it. They had $10 million worth of cattle inside this feedlot. This is a huge feedlot. It's a great big operation. And what did this man do? Did he cave? No. He immediately told the person on the phone that called and said he had to verify the vaccination of his employees that they gave him a 10-day notice. He said, well, I'm going to give you a 10-day notice. He said, you have 10 days to come and get all of your cows and take them off my property. I'm giving you 10 days to move them. That's how he handled it. And the man lost millions of dollars because he had an ongoing relationship feeding livestock for this company. And he fired them because they were telling him that he had to tell his employees they had to be vaccinated. And I say, God bless this feedlot owner. He did the right thing. He stood on his principles. He put his money where his mouth is. And I just think we need to have more patriotic people like him that aren't going to be bullied by this medical and government tyranny we have going right now. Well, on the other side of the break, I'm going to come back and talk about some off-grid issues. But I just wanted to touch base with the people who are writing me letters. And I also wanted to give you a heads up of a few things that are happening. And on the other side of the break, like I say, I'm going to go off-grid issues. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about this coming World War III that I think is coming. Because I think that's definitely the elephant in the room right now. And so I'll be right back after this. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show... I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations and we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off, it's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail, check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. This next song was recorded in 1902 by the Edison Military Band. America, played by the Edison Military Band.
Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. Replace despair with determination. And don't be afraid to rely on God and step out on the sea. Listening to the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show on WBCQ. Welcome to part two of the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. This is your host, Jim Calhoun. And before I get into the meat of the second part of the show, I neglected to say something that I should have started the entire show with, and that's to ask for prayers. For the past year or so, I have sat in as guest host on a show called Truth to Ponder. And that's Bob Bierman's show. And Bob Bierman is a wonderful man. And he's got an awesome show. I really love the show Truth to Ponder. And if you haven't heard Truth to Ponder, you really need to. And for those of you who listen on shortwave, he primarily goes out of WRMI, but he also out of KVOH out in California. And so that's where you find his show. And he's on various times of the week. And he's also a podcast for those who want to listen online. But I do each Wednesday for him. Well, he's having some health issues. And so we all need to go into prayer and pray for healing for Bob Bierman because he does have some medical issues. And he has to trust the medical people right now because he's got some things that really do need to be attended to. So let's pray protection over him. Let's pray for his healing and his health and his well-being. And I would really appreciate that, because Bob Bierman is really a nice man. I want to start off my off-grid topics with addressing the people that use solar power, as far as that's their way of generating electricity, is solar. Is that remember that you have different angles that you can put your panels, a summer position and a winter position. And lots of people forget to move their panels, and they wonder why they don't have the efficiency that they should. And with the sun not staying up near as long, and our days are definitely getting shorter, we do have much more of a challenge of filling our battery banks. And to optimize that, make sure that you're in winter position. Now, what do I mean by winter position? You need to tilt your solar panels and tilt them towards the sun. Because the summer sun is more or less right overhead, but the winter sun is always in the south. And so since our solar panels are facing the sun, we have to actually 
make them face the sun at a more direct angle. Because if we have a summer angle, we're not going to get near the power than if we would change to our winter angle. And depending on your situation, you may have to go one or two more degrees less or more than what I would have to do. But what I do to set my winter position, I wait until midday, and then I pretty well just sight it in. And I do it at the end of October or early November, is that I re-aim my solar panels. And so I tilt them up several more degrees. And again, the degree that you're going to have is going to be dependent on your situation. But they're all going to be very similar. Make sure that they're directly pointed at the sun, the best that you can do that. And then fix them into place. And then don't forget to put them back in summer position later on. And if you have solar panels that are fixed in place and you can't move them, well, take a look at it and see if you might be able to modify that so you can tilt, because that really does help. The next thing you need to do is inspect all of your wiring and clean your battery terminals and make sure that your batteries are full of water and make sure that everything is in tip-top condition. Because I think we're going to have a very cold, hard winter, and I think that we're going to have to be prepared for that. And so on the next nice day, take a couple hours and do your inspection and take another couple hours and take apart your solar bank, your battery bank, and clean all the terminals and, and clean everything back up and then go ahead and connect it back together all nice and clean and make sure it's very tight. Don't over-tighten to where you hurt a post or something, but get it as snug as you can because you don't want to have any possibility of something arcing. Now with my solar panels, I'm going to mount my solar panels on an old hay sled. And this sled is homemade. And it's about 20 feet long. And the beams that it has for its frame are incredibly strong. But that's all that's left are the tires and that frame. And so I can go ahead and build my mounts and everything and do it correctly. And the reason I'm going to do that is that the place that I have my solar panels right now works really good until we have snow. And the, where I have them, it seems like the snow likes to drift and it likes to cover the panels. And I know that there are places that I could put these panels that will not drift and they'll stay cleaner. But where I have it right now is in a place where the snow whips and kind of loops up and comes back around. And so it's not really the snowfall that's coming from the air that's covering my panels. It's the action of the blowing snow. And it blows it back up and it just packs those panels. And on a day that we have some wind and some snow, I'm out there every 20 minutes trying to clear it off. And I can't get my work done if I'm using a lot of electricity. It's just very inconvenient. But I have some places that are more sheltered that the wind won't affect but they're right in the way to have a permanent installation. And so I'm going to mount my inverter and my controller, and everything is going to be mounted on this hay sled. But of course, I will build an enclosure for my batteries and my controlling equipment and my inverter to where they don't have any moisture and keeps them nice and safe. But if I have an all-in-one mobile unit like that this winter, it's kind of an experiment 
but I'm going to see if I can't do a little bit better. And plus, I can start the tractor and move this sled. And if I have my panels to where they're mobile and movable, I can more closely keep my panels aimed at the sun until the last sun's rays in the evening. Because where they're at stationary, it seems like the last hour or so, I'm not getting much more than a glancing blow with the sun. And I know that I could charge my batteries much better if I can have my panels to where they're aimable. And the only way I'm going to have them to where I can aim them is if they're mobile. And in this spring, I will unmount that and put them back on their regular mounts because their summer mount works perfectly. But in the winter, it's lacking. And so I'm going to be doing that as an experiment. And I'll let you know how that turns out. And those of you who are new to cooking with wood or new to having wood stoves, make sure that you follow every safety procedure. Make sure you don't have a fire in your house. Personally, I think you need to do these several of these things. First of all, keep your stove maintained. When it's time to clear out the ashes, clear out the ashes. And don't just throw the ashes away. There are many things you can do with the ashes. And I'll get into that later. But make sure that your stove is well connected. Make sure that you don't have any gaps or you don't have any leaky spots. Because if you have leaky spots when you do your initial fire up in the morning, you're probably going to smoke in your house a little bit. And you don't want that to happen. And make sure you have all the parts that you need, including a damper in your stovepipe. The people that don't have dampers, and I know that there are several that don't like dampers, but they're wasting some of their energy because they can't slow that fire down. It, it kind of just sucks everything right out the pipe. And you need to have that ability not to back the smoke up, but to hold the heat in a little bit better. And so that's really important. And then if you actually cook with a wood stove, as far as a potbelly stove, their regular cook stoves are set up for cooking. And so they're pretty self-explanatory. But those who are using a freestanding stove of some sort, whether it be one of these long, narrow ones that are low to the ground or a potbelly, one of the ways you regulate your heat is with your damper. And the more you open that damper and have free-flowing air, the hotter your stove is going to get. And so that's another plus for having a damper is to regulate the heat in your house. And the next couple of things that I would do, I would make sure that I had a fire-resistant or even better yet, a piece of sheet metal of some sort that you set your stove on. And that way, when you open the stove door to put in some wood, and let's say that an ember of some sort pops out and you don't see it, you don't want to have a carpet burn or linoleum get a hole through it. And worse yet, you don't want your house to catch on fire. And it's those little things that you don't see are the ones that come up and bite you. And so if you have something that will not burn under your stove, then you're way ahead. And so I would highly recommend that you don't just put your stove on the floor. Put it on a fire-resistant mat or a fireproof mat of some sort. They do sell those. I highly recommend them. But if you don't want to buy one, you want to make one, you can use like 16-gauge cold-rolled steel. That's a little bit heavy, but that would be indestructible. You could use tin as well. But just know that anything you do like that could be a health hazard as far as you catching your foot on it. And so, in my opinion, you're much better off 
going to a stove store and buying the correct mat as to making your own. But if for some reason you don't want to buy one, you want to build one, well, I would make sure that I had at least a metal top, even if you had one that's made out of wood that's skinned in some sort of light metal. Just make sure that you don't have any sharp corners or anything that's going to damage your foot. Someday I'm going to find an old wood-burning cook stove and install that. My kitchen is pretty much in the center part of the house, and so it's perfect to actually heat the house from the kitchen. And so I have a good old potbelly stove in my kitchen, and I have my propane stove there. But in the winter, I cook with my potbelly stove. And it's harder to do because, of course, it's a one-burner stove. But I have a Dutch oven that's cast iron. And right now, as I mentioned before, I'm cooking some chicken and potatoes. And I'm slow cooking it. And it's starting to really smell good in the house here because it's kind of a brisk day. It's one of those days you don't want to be out too much because of the cold wind. And to have your supper slow cooking all day, it's going to be delicious. And I don't think anything really beats fending for yourself and doing your own work and just enjoying life. And you might wonder what a wood-burning stove has to do with enjoying life because they're a lot of work, especially going out and getting the firewood. But I personally find satisfaction in several things. Number one, I get some good exercise getting the wood and, <laughs> and preparing it. And number two, I don't have any bills to pay. And number three, I have a wooded area on my property that has a lot of tree fall, a lot of dead stuff on the ground. And I'm cleaning up my property, so I'm getting my property cleaned out. I'm heating my house with no cash money. It's all just sweat equity, just labor. But I kind of like to be in touch with, I think I would call it more natural things. And I think that cooking with wood is about as natural of way of cooking as, as you possibly can get. And I used to cook with electricity, had electric range, and I've cooked with natural gas and propane. And while all of those work and they're fine, I have nothing against it. There's just something about cooking with wood I like to do more often than cook with the others. And if you do cook with wood, you need to have the right pots and pans. And in my opinion, the best way to go with that is with cast iron. Because cast iron heats uniformly, it holds its heat, it's rugged, and let's face it, these wood-burning stoves are made out of cast iron. And so you're setting cast iron on top of cast iron. And like I say, it's rugged and it's dependable. And another thing I like to cook on the wood stove with are these old-fashioned pans that are made out of tin. And they're extremely thin. And they have several companies that made them. Uh, they call themselves Cold Handle. And they had all sorts of names. So I don't want to name all the names that they went under. <laughs> But I'll describe them to you. They're a real thin gauge of tin. And they have the handles that are basically tin that's rolled around into a circle that's flattened. And that way air can get in between there and keep your handles cooler. I still wouldn't trust to go grab one. I think that they get hot enough to burn you. I think that was kind of a sales pitch they had that they said that the handles stayed cool. And they really don't. What I like about them is they're so thin that they're perfect for cooking things as far as frying hamburgers or eggs or something like that. They're 
really quick to respond because when you set them on top of your stove, that tin heats up immediately. Where it's cast iron, it takes a while for the heat to transfer. But with the tin, the tin does not hold the heat. And so when you pull it off the stove, it cools down really fast, whereas a cast iron will hold the heat for a long time. But with these thin ones, you have to make sure that you don't get them too hot. And it's nothing you're going to put on your stovetop and walk away from. That's another good thing about cast iron. Cast iron is very forgiving. And these little tin ones are not. But in their place, and I like to make eggs, I like to, I like to do breakfast with these thin ones. Because you can whip up a breakfast in no time flat. You get up in the morning, you go ahead and get your fire going, and you have your thin pots and pans, and boom, breakfast is done. And of course, these tin ones are antiques, and so you have to find them in antique shops and also websites that sell antiques. And as far as price, I've seen them everything from a dollar to $25 a piece, the same size and in the same condition. So be careful out there, don't overpay. But if you want to try one, but you're still kind of skeptical, go ahead and just buy one and see how you like it. Learn how to cook with it. But you have to cook with it in a different way than you cook with cast iron. And so you do have a small little learning curve, but most people are going to handle that just fine. If you've ever cooked with a crock pot, and most people have, you find out how handy they are because you plug them in and you leave, you go to work for the day, you come home and your meal is ready. And that's the best part of these crock pots because they do cook nice and slow. Well, you can do the same thing with your wood-burning stove. Of course, you can't leave and then come back hours later because you'll come back to a cold stove. But if you're going to be around the house or close by to where you can put wood in every now and again, you could keep your fire on a slow burn, and you can fill your Dutch oven with almost anything. You can make great stews and meatloaf and all sorts of vegetable and meat dishes. And with my Dutch oven, I actually even bake with it. Now, I have a regular oven, and it's a propane oven, and for some reason, it does not want to stay lit. I've checked it out, I've cleaned it out, I've taken air compressor to it and blown it out. Uh, just for some reason, it'll get going, and right when you think that it's perfect, it just goes out. And so I don't use it that often because I'm just sick of being frustrated because the world is frustrating enough without fighting an oven. And since I'm by myself, I don't have to make large quantities of baked goods. So what I do is I put a wire-structured little table, I guess that's the best way to describe it, and use that to keep my pan off the bottom of that Dutch oven. And so a spacer would be probably the best way to put it. But mine is made out of wire, kind of like a barbecue grill wire type of a thing, and it comes up about two inches. Now I go ahead and place whatever I'm baking on top of that. Then I cover the Dutch oven, and that does really well in baking small pizzas and cakes and cookies and that kind of thing. And it takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you learn how to cook with the Dutch oven and use it as an oven, you could do baked goods all day. If you use the stove that you're heating your house with, you've always got a fire going to where you could be doing baked goods all day long. So on a cold winter day and the snow's a-blowing, and you're nice and warm in your house, go ahead and bake some cookies and bake some brownies. And you'd be surprised at how many things you can get cooked up, and then you can store those away. 
And also, I have two wood-burning stoves in my house. One of them I can cook on, and the other one is a great food warmer. It'll keep things warm. You don't want to cook with it because it'll take forever because it was made back in the 1920s, and it looks kind of like a freestanding antique radio. And what it is, it's got a, a box around the firebox. So it's got basically a potbelly stove with a square box around it. That's kind of a loose description of it. But you can't get your food near where the heat source is. you got like two or three inches. So the only thing that that's really good for is dehydrating. But it works perfect as a dehydrator. So if you have anything you want to dehydrate, if you have a stove like that, one of these old-fashioned stoves that has the grates on the top, that has the fireboxes that's down below the grate, you can regulate how fast you want to dry something as where you put it on the grate. If you put it on the outer edges, it'll dry slower. Put it on the right in the middle, it'll dry faster. And so there's ways you can optimize the work that you do of gathering firewood and hauling it in and starting your fire and keeping your stoves clean and all the maintenance you have to do can be offset by these extra little good things you can do, like baking and dehydrating. And also, most everybody knows this, but if you keep a tea kettle on top of your stove, you've always got nice warm water anytime you need it. So if you want to make tea or coffee or something like that, you have the water that's already ready to go. And also, during the winter, lots of times houses tend to dry out and your sinuses dry out. And that's just a good way to keep your humidity up in your house. I'm not saying keep it on a boil or anything. It'll just slowly evaporate. You won't see anything really coming out unless it's a really cold day or if it's cold in the room. You'll see some of the steam coming out, but... As far as a warm house, you probably won't even notice that you have a tea kettle on there. But if you check it periodically, you can see that the water level is going down, and so the water has to be going up into the air. And I think that's real important, too. Well, I said I was going to touch on World War III, and so I'm going to do that right now. I kind of got on this other topic, so I'm going to keep this really short. Prepare for the worst thing that mankind has ever seen as far as war. I study history, and I see parallels from 1912, 1913, and early 1914. I see parallels to the 1840s and the 1850s leading up to the American Civil War. And the first one was leading up to World War I. And I see massive parallels between 1937, 38, 39, and 40. And one of the listeners asked me asked me where we're at on our timeline as far as the doomsday clock. My opinion only. I think that we're not even a second away from that hitting. I think we're in between one second and the hour it starts. So I would say we're a half second away from that. We're that close. It wouldn't surprise me if I woke up very soon, any morning that's coming up, to find that the world is plunged into war. We have things happening between Iran and Israel. We have North and South Korea. We have Russia and Ukraine. We have China and Taiwan. And we have countless other that are happening in the Middle East, as far as like Syria and Turkey and so many things like that. 
And also, Saudi Arabia is now on alert from Iran, and Israel's always ready for something. And the United States has boots on the ground inside Ukraine that can only spell disaster. Then you have the UK government that's acting as saboteurs and terrorists that are going after Russian targets, which is going to end really horrible. And so I think get at peace with God, get at peace with yourself, but understand that this too shall pass. Stay strong. Really do stay strong. And to those who have lost friends and family members and so forth during all this tyranny, just pray that God gives them a change of heart and put them in the hands of God. Because, as we all know, they've quit listening to us. And they won't listen to anyone that sounds like us. And so I think that God is going to have to reveal to them exactly what's going on. And I think that's what we need to pray for. I'd like to invite each and every one of my listeners to send me an email. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Jim at offgridliving.faith. And also, please visit the website. And the website is offgridliving.faith. And also, you can find links to even more information. Every one of my shows is uploaded on the website. Well, I thank you for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. And I want to just tell you that I appreciate all of the cards and letters, and the donations are a godsend. And to those who don't know this, this show comes to you free of charge, but I do have to buy the airtime, and so everything comes out of my pocket. And I do use every dime that anyone donates towards this program. Nothing goes into my personal account. Nothing ever will. Because you've trusted in this show to invest your donation into the show. And so I honor that and I respect that. And I thank you very much. And you can donate by check or money order. You would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media. And the address is P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 69143. Again, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, everyone hang in there. Stay strong. Stay well. Keep informed, but more than anything else, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.